Welcome to Sherapy Sessions, Cutting Toxic Family Ties. My name is Dr. Sherry Campbell, and I'm your host. I am a leading expert in the niche of toxic family abuse, and although my show cannot substitute for therapy, it is a survivor-based show. In me, you're not only going to get an expert, but you're also going to get a survivor, as I have also survived toxic family abuse. I know how hard it is. The goal I have is to give voice to the voiceless, to provide skills to help you to protect your peace, to stand your solid ground, and to navigate and heal the heartbreaks caused by toxic family. Please have a pen and paper available to give voice to your thoughts as you listen to each show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for your bravery. So let the healing begin. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. We are just doing this epic series on boundaries, and your feedback is so exciting because the information I'm putting out there isn't out there in the literature. And so it's really exciting for me to share uh, what I've learned as a survivor through my own journey and being able to speak it through the voice of an expert to all of you. And I appreciate all of you. I appreciate the reviews. I just love that we have this community where we can talk about this. And we're going to jump in today to what is the difference between the silent treatment and no contact? Because it's so hard for us to get this. So I've broken this down into very simple, clear bites so that you can feel powered and empowered by the choice to be no contact. So obviously, we all have many moments of questioning ourselves around no contact. One, because we never want to be like our toxic family members. I can't tell you how many patients I've sat with that experience so much confusion over this option as I have myself. That's why it's important to kind of go through all of the steps that we've talked about in previous episodes around low contact, cordial contact. This show, again, is just here to add clarity and value to your confusion so that we can work your way through it. There's nothing worse than trying to heal from a place of confusion. So many of us question how we differ. If we're going no contact, then how are we any different? So the different comes down to intent. When our perpetrating family members ghost us or give us the silent treatment, their intent is to hurt and to punish. Their intent is to break and destroy their intent is to make us so insecure that we would beg them back, which, you know, we've probably all done a million times. They want to put us into a state of such deep fear that we will plead to be a part of their lives again. And pleading may not be verbal. It may just be us going back and going along to getting along. But we end up giving up our voice and giving up our boundaries because we feel so totally unsafe in the silent treatment. They silence us to toy with our sense of security So the more insecure they can make us feel, then the more we will work to bend to their way just to have a sense of relief or resolve, because that actually is the only way to get it when you're being abused. Yet we've all been through their discarding phase of this abuse so many times that we also know and we come to learn over time that the more we beg or try to be good and work to convince our family members that we're good, the further away we get from our sense of self and health. And they actually retract, which only deepens our fears, our feelings of rejection. So the nicer we are, or the more we try to be what they want, the more they reject us because they love that game of destroying us. 
and keeping us from what we want. And yet they still want us to be attached. So again, the confusion is absolutely insanity making. The deep feelings of rejection that come from being punished with silence is what keeps us chasing them. Uh, when this manipulation is going on, it seems as if the only thing we can focus on is just trying to understand why we've been shut out. So we get consumed with worry and it totally pulls us away from focusing on all the good in our lives because we're totally consumed with just trying to feel a sense of peace. And we believe that we will get that sense of peace from going back to the family. And this is exactly what they want. So let's talk about what are the sort of key things to know when we're getting the silent treatment as a punishment. So you're blatantly ignored, like, and frequently. Your family members are silent for extended periods of time, making you really never know when it's going to end. And the longer it goes, the more in despair you and fear you fall. They talk to other people in front of you, but not you, even when you're a part of that conversation. You're constantly feeling like you're on eggshells. You'll talk to them or try to, and they will absolutely act as if you didn't say a word and ignore you. You feel punished by your silence, which is really important. They don't attempt to communicate their feelings with you at all. And they just use all the stonewalling tactics, which obviously was a great show that we did in past episodes. You might want to go scroll through and look at that if you haven't seen it. And obviously, silence inevitably involves gossip about you with everybody else. So you're always being overtly and intentionally, consciously, purposefully left out. And it is totally designed to publicly humiliate you because they love nothing more than to silence you when it's noticeable. So over time, the act of giving someone the silent treatment, if it's left unchecked, it can become a normal sign that you're being intentionally and maliciously emotionally abused. I certainly got to that point when I recognized it was happening that I'd be like, oh, okay, I guess I'm getting the silent treatment again. And over time, the more they use it, it's sort of like it doesn't quite have the power that it had in the past. We do adapt. That's the thing about the human spirit is it it can adapt. So when you know it's abusive is these continual signs, right? Is that it's used to gain control over the situation. They just want control. They know it bothers you and they do it anyway. And it's very passive aggressive. It's like telling you they can't stand you without doing it, using their words. And it lasts for an unbelievable amount of time. And it leaves you feeling so anxious, isolated and alone. And it essentially gets them what they want for a certain period of time because it forces you to reconcile with them because they make it clear they're not doing it. And so if you want any peace or you, you're still living in that home and you have to reconcile as I did when I was living in my home, I was forced to reconcile. And each time I did, it would erode away at my sense of self and my belief that I was a strong or good person, that I was a smart person, that I was a worthy person. It just destroyed all of that. And my perpetrating family members would explicitly blame me for the silence. I'm the one who caused it. And I'm certainly that you went through the same thing. It's a really negative and controlling form of communication from a toxic family. And there's nothing that feels good about being on the receiving end of this aberrant ostracizing behavior. And as with other forms of abuse, the silent treatment becomes an insidious cycle of abuse if change does not occur, right? So emotional abuse happens in, in so many different ways. And again, it comes down to intent because when you go no contact or you stop mending the fence after being cut off, however you want to look at it, outwardly, it doesn't look any different than the silent treatment. And this is why we get so confused. So again, it comes down to intent. 
So let's clarify what that looks like. When we decide to go no contact as a healthy person, we do so as a necessary form of setting boundaries and our intent is not to hurt anybody. We choose to go silent with the intention of protecting ourselves from further abuse. When we sever ties, we do so for our own emancipation, our own freedom, and again, our own protection. It's not intending to cause harm, hurt, or upset to any of your family members. In fact, we're really not even thinking about them at all. When you make a decision such as this, nothing is being done as much as you're doing something for yourself. So nothing's really being done to them especially when they've already silenced you and cut you off, like it's already been done to you. So you meeting their silence with silence isn't doing anything to them. It's you're just doing something for you. So when you go silent, we do so not as punishment of them or wanting them to beg back. We go silent to stay silent. We don't want or need or desire to have a connection anymore. And these are some of the big differences. When we go no contact, no one else is involved. There is no gossip. There is no public humiliation. There is no passive aggressive communication. There's no stonewalling. There's no gaslighting. There's no intentionally leaving anyone out of a group or leaving you out of important information. There's no intent or want for reconnection. There's no manipulation. There's only silence. That's it. We go no contact to remove their abuse from our life permanently. So when we cut ties with them, the relationship is severed. It's not an attempt to have the relationship reconnect from begging or pleading. When we cut ties, we let go. And our intent is not to look back, to not have anything further going on but just to simply move forward. So when we stop mending fences, we don't have any other agenda than trying to protect our space, our boundaries, our well-being, and our mental health. Further, our decision to go no contact also, this is so important, is based in knowing we did all we could to work with and forgive our perpetrating family members by giving them chance after chance after chance to change. So what's a key takeaway I want to give you after differentiating those two things? If we go no contact, we've simply reached the place where enough is enough. It's like we we don't have it in us anymore to get up and keep trying and to continue to fail. When we get ostracized by our family members, they are trying to get something from us. They're trying to get us to do or not do something, or they're trying to put us in our place by trying to force us to submit to their will. But when it comes to no contact, you want nothing from them except to be left alone. You don't have an ulterior motive that involves your family members at all. You're just trying to get away from them so you can have the space you need to heal. When you're getting crashed on by one manipulative, emotional, abusive wave after another, there isn't any even time in between waves to get up and breathe and think straight. So when we decide that we're done, we've had enough is enough, we create the space for some clarity. Another important difference between no contact and being ghosted or silenced by your family is that no contact is one of the first steps toward resolving the trauma bond developed all throughout your unhealthy relationship with your family. Since trauma bonding causes us to feel addicted to our abusers, going no contact, I like to use this metaphor, is kind of like an addict maybe going cold turkey to quit their drug of choice. Like it or not, our family members have an almost drug-like effect on us after all the years of trauma they've put us through. So we don't really know love, but we know attachment trauma. 
And attachment trauma, sadly, is such a negative draw that we feel like we can't survive without them or that if we even want to, that we're really bad and nobody wants to be bad. So let's get into this next part. How do you know that you're not the bad guy (laughs) for going no contact that you're being accused of? So often so many of us feel responsible for everything that goes wrong in the relationships we have with our family, hence attachment trauma. And this is often the result of the fact that over the course of our whole lifetime, we've been conditioned to believe this about ourselves over the whole time we've been in relations with our family, which is the beginning of time. So we know that one of the biggest red flags of our toxic family members is that they absolutely refuse to take responsibility for anything other than the positive things they do. We also know they're very conscious of and intentional in their abuse. So anything that might be seen in a negative light or that doesn't portray them as the vision of protection, of perfection, excuse me, they have of themselves, they will squarely place blame on you or anyone If you have gone no contact, it will never be them because you going no contact tarnishes this image of perfection of them that they are obsessed with curating. And it's an embarrassment to them when someone decides to not talk to them. So what's going on in our family members when they call us the toxic one for going no contact, their logic seems to look something like this. Well, you're the one that said the silent treatment or ghosting is abuse. And now you're the one who isn't talking to me and won't see me. So you must be the abuser. So we start to go, oh my God, that actually kind of makes sense. Are we all just narcissists because we choose not to go no contact? Again, let me clarify for you. It comes down to intent. They can gaslight anything. They can manipulate anything in their favor. And when they come at you with that logic, that's gaslighting, it's denial, and it's manipulation. It's just doing all they can to deflect blame onto you. So let's jump in now that you know the differences to how to's and boundaries to set. So first thing is to practice self-trust. One thing that happened with me is when I ended up not mending the fence anymore, I didn't have an intention to be no contact. I was just done. I didn't even see it in the languaging of no contact. I just knew I didn't have it in me anymore. The bandwidth had broken of what I could get up and tolerate anymore. I didn't have the emotional muscle, thank God, to get up and continue to fight in this gauntlet. So self-trust sort of came naturally. And then I started to doubt myself as people criticized me for not mending the fence. So I had to continue in the gauntlet of being accused of being grudge holding or non-forgiving. I had to really trust that I was doing the right thing. And I learned to be quiet about what I knew about myself. And I learned to not engage in those conversations with people where I was now feeling like I had to defend myself to them. So that is important to understand is that you can trust yourself and you don't know anyone an explanation. I think self-care, of course, is really important. I think when you're here, you have to really practice mindfulness. You have to be very mindful of you reach the limit of what you could tolerate in terms of abuse. So let me say that again. You reach the limit of what you're able to tolerate in terms of abuse. Do you know that you should never should have ever had to tolerate abuse ever? So be mindful. Recognize what you've done and that what you've done is healthy. You shouldn't have to even have a statement like that in your mind. I highly suggest reading, read, 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 read. And do like your Myers-Briggs, do your MBTI, get your human design chart done, know your astrological chart, read everything you can on toxic family, follow the right podcast pages and experts, 
and journal. I really, I heal through my hands. And and I say that often on this show. It's the way that I connect with myself. And it's a conversation where I recognize I can partner with myself to do the right thing that really, if I get into my journal, I recognize how clear I really am. And it helps me cut out the noise. And of course, talk to people, talk to friends, get into therapy, whatever you need to do. One of the hardest things that I learned to do was to not take their behaviors personally. It's really hard to do. It's not an easy thing. It's a practice. It's it's not an event. When you take things personally, you end up feeling worse. You make it about you. And then the other person doesn't have to take any accountability and you won't give it to them. So I always think, did I start this? Did this start with me? If I get confused because I've been gaslit my whole life, then I just go to my feelings and I think this is how I feel. And it's not a sustainable way for me to live my life if I keep feeling this way. And these feelings were absolutely caused by this other person that did whatever that they did to me. And I can look at and think, Whatever is going on inside my toxic family members, that has everything to do with them. Whatever their dysfunction is, they were that way long before I showed up. And so now I don't have to take accountability for them. And when I recognize that they were that way before I even showed up and that they're that way to everyone, is that ultimately at the end of the day, that's who they are. And I didn't make them that way. One of the hardest things I think to do is to learn to stay calm. I know it's a big ask, but there's so much more that you will gain in terms of empowerment by learning to be quiet and putting your ego down and recognizing that you're not losing your voice, but you're not wasting your voice anymore. You're never going to be anything but confused leaving a conversation with them. And when you are able to stay calm and be patient and hold on to yourself, everything becomes far more clear to you what's really going on. All of a sudden, all the fog dissipates and you recognize that you're doing exactly what you need to do. And they recognize that now they cannot get your ego involved and get you into a war. And they really have to sort of go either pick on someone else or continue trying to bait you. So another how-to is just don't take the bait. They're going to call you the abuser no matter what. They're going to blame you for anything no matter what. They really want you to react so that they can stay in the cycle of getting, you know, your attention and your emotional reaction, which is which is total fuel for them. It fuels them. They don't learn anything from it. You could scream the truth from the from the highest mountains to them and they wouldn't get it. So just don't fall for it. And that brings me to my next point. You've got to feel proud of the decisions that you've made are in a position to make regarding the protections you have or you need to sit in your life and put those in place so that you can protect yourself and your mental health from your abusive and deeply damaging family members. Regardless of what you face on the road ahead of you with your family, the decisions that you've made will help you stay in charge of your own life. There's nothing more important than being the captain of your own ship. Even if you have no crew members and you're all alone on that boat, you can navigate your way through this trauma. You have to really tune your ears down to the outside noise of culture and the kickback on that. Most people don't really understand what you're going through. I think you have to be, this is another how-to that's very powerful. Be very selective over who you tell your story to. Not everybody deserves to hear your story. And if someone has been turned against you by your perpetrating family members and they have wholeheartedly believed one side of a story, as I've said in the past, I would never trust anyone who only takes in one side of a story and believes it wholeheartedly. 
you do have the right to feel happy. You have the right to have the freedoms to make your own choices. You have the right to be out of relationships that want to guilt and control you for the remainder of your life, tell you how to be when no matter if you measure up to that or not, it's never going to be enough. So when you have those moments of self-doubt, be patient with yourself. It's okay to have those. You have those moments of doubt because you really would have done anything to love these people if they could love you back. Not everybody is capable of love and not everybody values love. And our toxic family members consciously don't care about love. They care about power and control. It is their drug. And you will adapt. And the more silent you go, you'll start to see that your silence says everything for you that your words don't, and it can never be used against you in the fact that when you try to stand for yourself, everything you say can and will be used against you because it will be twisted to mean something it didn't. We've all been there. We know what it's like. And so staying calm or being patient really does require self-control, which is always going to be a how-to in our episodes because When we have self-control, it means we're increasing our capacity for self-awareness. There's nothing more beautiful than being self-aware because the more self-aware you are, the more responsibility you are willing to take for your life and to close the gaps where any abuse can be let in from anybody, and this includes family. You have that right. You've got one life to live. You've set boundaries on them as an effort to keep them in your life. So when they're crossing your boundaries, they are firmly, clearly telling you that they do not want to be in your life in the way that would be healthy. And so you have every right to step away from that, to put your moccasins on, use your feet, get out of the battlefield and allow your life to move on in a new direction and create a new life that you can love. And I think a quiet voice is always one that is actually long-term listened to the most. And I think as you go along in your journey, You will find that lots of toxic people, even outside of your family, start to fall away. We almost never have to kick them out. They almost always fall away on on their own. And I think one of the greatest how-tos I can give you, if if someone's going to leave your life, don't mend the fence. You don't need to. The trash took itself out. So let it go. And that is our therapy session for this day. I want you to all know that I'm really so proud of you. I do know as an as a fellow survivor how unbelievably hard this process is. And I feel so grateful to be able to share my information with you and to hopefully help you along your journey. I care about all of you because you're just like me. And that's a really special feeling when you have felt alone your entire life. So please enjoy your next couple weeks. And until we talk again, be well, take care of you. Well, Bravehearts, that concludes our amazing Sherpy session for the day. Please sign up on my email list at drsherrycampbell.com so that you can be in touch with me and see what's going on in terms of what I'm offering soon, what books are coming out, etc. Talk to you in a couple of weeks.